because unless it meets their qualifications, unless it meets their approval, they refuse to believe. And, you know, and, and people are like that. A lot of educated people are like that, that unless it meets their intellectual approval, they refuse to believe. Uh, and, and it's like, but you're just a small person. In all of creation, you're a small speck uh, in, in the great creation of the Lord. And you think that, that, that you're big enough to define how God should operate. Uh, and, and, you know, if they could actually see how big God was, I don't mean physically big, but just the bigness of this revelation, the bigness of the word of God. You know, I'm always amazed at how big the word of God is, how much revelation is in the word of God. You read the same thing, you know, a hundred times and a hundred times you get more information out of it. Uh, that's how big God is. And, and yet uh, they think that God is constrained, that he can't do these things. And the war about whether God created the, the earth in six days or not is such a foolish war because is, are you saying God cannot create the world in seven days? I mean, in fact, actually six days, right? Because he rested on the seventh day. Is God limited somehow? Could he not do that if he wanted to? Speak it every, everything into existence? Well, of course he can. And of course he did. Uh, but um, um, so uh, I have no problem with education. Get all the education that you can. Paul had plenty of education and it didn't, it didn't hurt him. Uh, and and uh, even though he said he counted uh, all these things as dung, it's still having the, the knowledge of the Old Testament allowed him to then see the revelation of what God did and what God was trying to do by the revelation uh, of the Old Testament. And then he saw the fulfillment of that by the revelation of the New Testament. Uh, and it's been very helpful for us to have the revelation that Paul had because he talks a lot about sacrifices and sin and, and those types of things in the different writings that he had. So uh, it's, education is great and fine. But you just got to make sure that you always stay as a humble, stay a humble Christian, because if you ever think that you know something, then uh, then you've already lost the battle. Right. Because we, we basically know nothing and we will study the word of God all of our lives. And we, we will have never gotten close to the fullness of the revelation that's there. And if we believe that, then we're in a good spot. If we if we think we we have arrived, uh, then uh, we've, we've already lost the battle. Amen. And so we are ready to start. Chapter 3 uh, in uh, Dr. Yeoman's book, it's, uh, the, this chapter is about talking about the source of sickness. And so why don't we pray and we'll get into the word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, for blessing us. We thank you for delivering your word to us by your spirit through the hands of men. We thank you that you spoke to them uh, and gave them revelation insight to, to deliver to your church. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So she, she uh, wanted to discuss uh, the origin and the source of sickness. Uh, and she starts out uh, telling a story about a farmer. And um, uh, that uh, there's a, a collection of farmers uh, in some particular area that uh, kept uh, contracting typhoid fever. And of course, you got to remember this is a hundred years ago, right? So this is not, you know, ten years ago. Where, the, uh, I mean, nowadays if there's some type of infectious disease, they can find patient zero. You ever heard of patient zero? Well, they can figure out like E. coli break, breaks out or something, and they'll they'll start interviewing people. And they, if they can talk to enough people, they can find out who the first person that had it, uh, and then then they can find out well, what did that person do to get it. Uh, so they, it doesn't help. Uh, that uh, they talk to people 20 generations down because that person got it from some other person. So, but somewhere along the way, it started from, from some cause. And so they can go through just natural means, you know, but uh, it's pretty cool how they can do it. I think uh, they can keep on uh, whittling it down to find out, okay, this person got it from something. Well, you know, 100 years ago, you couldn't do that. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, 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 they didn't have the information like they have today, but they did... Uh, uh, use some of these techniques to find out that all these farmers kept getting sick. They finally figured out that it was their water source um, uh, and it was contaminated. And, and so they were able to uh, fix the contamination. And I've heard many stories like that, that groups of people will get sick and uh, it turns out that it's something in the water, you know, and, uh, and really, you know, for all civilizations and, and of course uh, here in America, we've got it pretty good. Because, um, you know, when they developed uh, the water systems, uh, it really has helped 
societies, you know, increase. Now, if you're living out in a rural area and you've got a, a water, a well, you know, for the most part, you're pretty good. But then when you congregate in cities and you have to pump in, pump water in, you know, before they, it, they didn't think anything about it. They'd pull the water from the same place where they washed their clothes and dumped all their trash and stuff in the water. And, um, and people would get sick and they would never know why. Uh, but now we've got all these water treatment plants and uh, they, they take care of it. And how they handle water and, and, and uh, sewage in, in cities has really helped uh, humanity uh, uh, with reducing all the plagues and stuff that comes around uh, because of those types of things. So, they, you know, society is, has uh, advanced because of some, some of those things of knowledge. Uh, but back in the day, things would happen and they would, you know, they, they would just, well, they, they were very superstitious. Well, it's probably because, you know, it's a full moon or, you know, uh, they would try to make up things. And so... They didn't really know until science started catching up with these things. But, uh, but it is important to know, you know, where does sickness and disease come from? That's really what this whole chapter is about. So uh, she starts back out, uh, and I think she had mentioned this verse before. But let's turn to Ecclesiastes uh, 3.14. Uh, and uh, that's uh, where she wanted to start out with this particular chapter. Because she's, she's making the case here of uh, how are things created in the beginning uh, and um, which is an ex- which is a uh, explanation of the Lord's will and so in um, Ecclesiastes 3 she says in uh, verse 14 I know that whatever God doeth uh, it shall be forever nothing shall be put to death uh, nor anything taken from it and God doth it that men should fear him but uh, she wanted to bring out the point at the beginning of that verse that whatever God doth, it shall be forever. And that's, uh, she makes the point that how did God create Adam? And as far as sickness and disease was concerned, he was perfectly well, right? Uh, uh, and how did God create the universe as far as sickness, sickness and disease? Uh, there was no sickness and disease when God created it, right? Uh, and so... So that, that's how God created it, uh, and that's how he intended it to be for how long? Forever, forever right? Because that's uh, when God created it, he intended it to be that way forever. Uh, and so, uh, so that's, that helps us understand then that that's the plan and the will of God. Uh, and a lot of times uh, in dealing with sickness and disease, that's the first thing you have to help people with understanding is What's God's will in relation to the sickness and disease? Uh, and even today, you know, it's not unusual. In fact, it's, it's fairly common for many Christians to believe that perhaps God wants uh, this sickness and disease in my life. Uh, and then some people will say things, well, God permitted it because of my failings or whatever. But even uh, I don't like that phrase because that still implies that God has made a decision that uh, this sickness should progress in your life. Uh, by his desire and so therefore he's not going to do anything about it maybe he didn't start it but he's going to allow it to continue to uh, build up some spiritual uh, ability in your life or cause you to be mature or or pressure you to the point that you'll repent right and so uh, I I don't even like using that phrase and so uh, but let's turn back to the book of Genesis and start looking at uh, how did things uh, start in the earth so if god didn't create sickness and disease which of course he did not then how did it get here and i thought she made a good point here uh if you look at the book of genesis chapter 3 it says in verse 1 it says now the serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field which the lord god had made and he said unto the woman yea hath god said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden uh, and so uh, what was the first thing that the devil attacked? Did he attack Adam and Eve directly? He attacked God's word, right? And I thought that was a good point that she made in the book that uh, he didn't attack Adam and Eve, he attacked God's word. Uh, and, and so has anything changed really since then? No, he's always attacking God's word and he's always trying to get uh, God's word to be diminished in our, in our eyes. Uh, and so... Uh, so did God say you shall not eat of the, uh, the fruit of the trees of, uh, of uh, well, he said you shall not eat of every tree, uh, but he was specifically talking about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
Uh, and, um, uh, and so what did, what did Eve reply there in verse 2 says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said. So now she's quoting what God said. Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Uh, and so is that what God said? No. So uh, did she get it wrong? She did. And this is one of the great failings of the church when, uh, you know, you don't have to be able to say, well, that's, you know, 1 Corinthians 5.12, you know, because when God wrote it, there wasn't a 1 Corinthians 5.12. There was just 1 Corinthians, right? Uh, but it's still good to know what the word says, amen? Uh, and, uh, and, and it's good to, I mean, I mean I've had people fuss at me because, I, you know, I'll quote one word wrong out of a verse, you know, and they'll come up and correct me, oh, you know, it said this or that. Uh, well, did I get the gist of what it said, you know, because it wasn't written in King James anyway, right? Uh, and so uh, if you get it close enough, I think it's close enough, um, as long as it doesn't change the meaning of the verse, right? Uh, but what did? But when God spoke to Adam uh, to not eat the eat of the tree, uh, what did He say? Don't eat of the tree, right? Of the knowledge of good and evil. Did He say don't touch it? He never said don't touch it. So, uh, really, when she said that, I'm sure the devil's thinking, okay, I've got her, because she said that God said you couldn't do two things with the tree. Number one, you can't eat it and don't even touch it. But God didn't say that. So all, all you'd have to do to show her, at least in her mind, that God is not uh, going to honor that word, we'll just go touch it and see if you die. Because didn't she have to touch it before she ate it? Right? She had to pick it up. And I'm sure the devil's like, well, see, you touched it. So, so far, so good, right? So it's probably okay to eat it then. So he's always going to uh, pressure us and to push us um, in a certain direction to see if... Uh, if we understand the word uh, and then if we don't understand the word the way that it's written just like you know um, people were quoting just recently i was seeing people quote uh that well you know god won't put any more on you than you can bear right and um is that a bible verse anywhere there's no bible verse that says god won't put on you more than you can bear or then there's also not a verse that says god will put on you more than you can bear uh, that's not even a Bible verse. It's not even a, a concept in the word of God because God's not putting things on you to see if you can bear it. Well, let's just, you know, uh, one more straw. Oh, that's enough straws. Don't put any more straws on them because they're at their breaking point. So don't, don't put, I'm not going to put any more on you than that, but I will put on you right up to the limit of what you can bear. Is that a principle of the word of God? No, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So uh, to say that God's going to put that on you or even God's going to allow that. But they don't ever, almost every time I hear it is, well, God won't put on you more than you can bear. But that's not a Bible, uh, a Bible concept. Uh, and so because it's not a Bible concept, but people think it is, then, they, then the devil has a, a work, an, uh, a license to go into their life and put as much on them right up to the point that they can't bear it. But uh, if he if he's able to do that, then he's causing people grief and, and discomfort and anguish in their life. Yeah, maybe they can put up with it, but their focus and their energy is on this this burden that they're bearing. And so they're not doing what other other things that God intended them to do in this life because they're dealing with this burden of whatever it is uh, that they keep talking about. Uh, and so. Uh, so it's just it's a real problem when people don't get the word of God. Right. And, and, it, and again, it's not about quoting the exact word for word, but getting the concepts of what the word of God says and teaches. Oftentimes the church gets it wrong and, well, God allowed that or, you know, uh, God does this and God does that. Uh, and, and many times they're just, um, well, you know, sometimes I, I just think God wants you to be sick. People say things like that, right? Uh, well, you know what I believe, and that's always, you know, followed by a bunch of gobbledygook after that, right? Well, you know, the way, the way I see it is this, you know. Uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, I've uh, had people just read the word of God. Well, I don't see it that way. I mean, it, it, that's what it says, right? Uh, and, and, well, I don't see it that way. And, well, have you ever met Eve? You know, she didn't see it that way either. Uh, and it caused a lot of grief uh, in the world there. So the devil's always going to attack the word of God first. He's going to get you to believe things that sound biblical but, but are not biblical. 
uh, and, and then he'll take it from there, right? Uh, and so he knows, uh, the devil knows that if we trust God and his word exactly the way it's written, uh, then uh, we, we, cannot, uh, we cannot be moved, right? And so she quotes uh, Psalm uh, 125, and uh, we'll read that here. So, and that's really one reason why I, I love the Word of God, because if, we, if we'll, we will read the Word of God, study the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God as it's written, and, and don't go beyond that, right? You just leave it at that, uh, and uh, don't change it, don't adjust it to fit your, uh, your concepts or beliefs. Uh, then, uh, what's it say here in Psalm 125? It says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. So, so you, uh, if you will believe in the word of God, you cannot be moved, right? Uh, and um, I think, uh, was it Psalm, Psalm 1, right? Let's just read Psalm 1 there. It says something similar that, to that. Uh, it says uh, in verse 1, Psalm 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man that, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the, seat, in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth, doth he meditate day and night. So if we love, love the Lord, then we will meditate in his word day and night. We will delight in the law of the, of the Lord. And the result of that, the fruit of that, then is in verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of, of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall also not wither and wither whatsoever he doth shall prosper so is a tree easily moved no i mean uh, uh, a tree is very stable and solid amen it cannot be moved winds come can't be moved right uh, and so that's the way that the church needs to be but so much of the church is so flaky this little first little little thing happens and they're running through the streets flailing their arms what are we going to do what are we going to do uh, they sure don't act like a tree right uh, well, it's because they're not uh, delighting in the law of the Lord. They're not meditating on his word day and night and not understanding how the love of God is there. So, uh, so if, if the devil was originally the source of sickness and disease, then he's going to try to use that against you. And of course, you know, he had to do that at the very beginning. He had to introduce uh, uh, death, right? Uh, for by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. And she talks and says this phrase a, a, a few times in her book that, that uh, sickness and disease is uh, the beginning of death. Uh, and um, I think she said it a, a slightly different way than that. Uh, it's the death process begun is the way she said it. She says it. So uh, because really even the simplest germ, uh, if there was no uh, reaction in your body to that germ, then even though it's a simple germ, it's going to reproduce. And, and uh, you know, these germs, they, they divide in half, right? So it goes from one to two, then from two to four, and four to eight. So it's not just, you know, adding one every now and then. It's doubling every single time that it, it reproduces. And, and after a while, then it's, it's going to consume all of the energy in your body, and your body will, will cease to function. It will come to an end. Uh, and that's the ultimate goal of even the simplest germs. But, of course, our natural defenses in our body, our immune system, will naturally take care of the vast majority of things. Amen. You don't even notice, notice these things are going on. You don't know the warfare that's going on in your body every day. Uh, and so, so uh, uh, in all of that, you know, the devil's trying to kill you uh, with all of these sickness and diseases. Amen. That's his ultimate goal. Because uh, even if you're not a great faith person in the church, you're still a threat. Now, he, he definitely wants to get rid of the faith people in the church because they are a threat to him. Uh, but even the, even the unfaith people, you know, I don't know the best word for that, people that aren't believing in healing and believe in miracles, they still believe in salvation. And so they'll try to get the sinner saved, won't they? Right? And so now there's one less person on, on the devil's side. So uh, he, he had to introduce sin so that he could introduce death. Uh, and once he introduced death, then he's multiplied his different ways to, to cause death to come into our lives, didn't he? Uh, but he could only do that through the authority of the one that was in authority, which was Adam and Eve at that time, right? He had to go through, he had to go through them to get to uh, 
get to the point where he could introduce death into the world. So he will attack us uh, with sickness and disease. Amen. Uh, and so let's, uh, uh, in fact, uh, you've heard people say, well, I've had an attack of whatever, right? Bursitis, whatever the thing is. And that's, a, that's an accurate, um, that's an accurate uh, way of, of explaining it, I think. So uh, she quoted Isaiah 54, and um, I looked this up in a few different translations, and I think it'd be helpful to look at it, look at it in a few translations. So if, if the devil's going to use sickness as a weapon against you and try to attack you, then what does the Bible say about weapons that are formed against us? Is that what it says there in Isaiah 54, 17? It says that no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment shall thou condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, uh, and the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. I like the way that says this is the heritage. This belongs to us. This, this uh, fact that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. Now, in order for that to be effective in our lives, we have to believe that. Amen. But uh, how many times, you know, does someone attack us? Well, I'm always the first one to get sick. Then what are you saying? Well, I'm saying that I'm going to turn off the, the verse that says no weapons formed against me shall prosper and allow that weapon to prosper in my life by my words. And so the only one, the only one who can, can keep this verse from operating in your life as a child of God is you. Uh, because God's already said this belongs to you. This is your heritage. This belongs to you. This is, this is a true statement, amen, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Uh, and so uh, if that's a true statement, then, then uh, the way that we empower that is by us believing it. And that's where I think much of the church forgets that the word of God is not an automatic thing in your life, that you empower the word of God by you believing it. Remember what, what the Lord said that uh, uh, about the Hebrew children? We're going to come back to Isaiah uh, 54 in just a second. We'll turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> uh, I don't know. We know this, but it's good to read it in your own word. Uh, and so it says in verse 1, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So there is a promise that we can enter into his rest. But we, have, we as Christians have the capacity to come short of the promise, right? Now, we should be able to receive the fullness of the promise by fully entering into his rest. But sometimes we don't fully get to the, to the end of the promise. Well, well, why is that? Well, it tells us in verse 2, right? It answers the question for us. It says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. So we've had the gospel preached to us. They've had the gospel preached to them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with what in them that heard it so so we have to take the word that comes into our life and we have to mix uh, our faith with that word in order for it to be effective in our lives and that's really where the church misses it probably probably in in most of the cases is all oh, i know the bible says that but it doesn't work in my life so what are they saying well the bible is still the bible but uh, it doesn't work for me, but why doesn't it work for them? See, they think it's God's choosing, right? That God doing something, that God didn't allow that, to, that God didn't allow that Bible verse to work for them in their life. But no, what's the issue? They did not mix the word with faith. So there's two ingredients, right? You ever try to bake something without the right ingredients? You know, uh, you're going to bake a uh, loaf of bread, but you got no flour. Well, just use salt. It's white and fluffy. You know, uh, how's that going to work out, right? I mean, it's just, it's close enough, right? I mean, it's, uh, but it's not close enough, is it? It's never close enough. So, you know, I can't mix it with faith, but I, I do have intelligence, right? Education. Does the word of God need to be mixed with education for it to work? You know, I know what, what Mamaw said. Uh, does the word of God need to be mixed with what Mamaw said? No, it doesn't. You know, Mamaw's not an ingredient, right? There's only two ingredients, faith and the word. Uh, and so if we choose not to mix the word with faith, he said, uh, the, it does not profit you. So, uh, you know, I, there, there's no better description of the, the issue that m the majority of the church is really dealing with is whether well, the word of God is not profitable for you. Uh, uh, and, and people will, will say, well, you're condemning me or, you know, it's not my fault or you don't know how hard I have it or, you know, whatever excuse they want to come up with. But I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just saying that if you're telling me you don't believe the word, then the word of God will not profit you. 
it's still true, right? It's still true that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But if you don't believe it, then that word will not prosper you and every weapon that formed against you will prosper. Uh, because the only way for no weapon formed against you to, to not prosper is for you to believe that verse. Amen? So if you don't believe that verse, if you've never, make, if you've never read that verse, you go, yeah, that's my heritage. That belongs to me. If you've never said those words or, or something to the effect of that, that yes, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, then it might as well have not been written because it's the same effect, right? As uh, the word of God being true, but you not mixing with faith versus the Lord never said anything like that. It has the same result, right? You have no faith for that thing. Uh, and so is it a true statement that the Lord said that no weapon for, uh, that is formed against you shall prosper? That's a true statement. So how do you activate it with faith? And, and you know, a lot of people outside the kind of the faith world you know, that's in the church, right? But not, you know, they're not striving for faith, not believing for faith. You know, they're, they're kind of pushed everything into the sovereignty of God. They don't like it that, that we say things like, well, you have to empower the word of God with faith. You know, that you have to energize the word of God with faith. But that's exactly what Hebrews uh, chapter four says, right? That you have to mix the word of God with faith. So we're not, we're not creating new doctrine. We're just trying to understand how does the word of God work? Uh, the word of God has been there effective. Uh, for thousands of years, Jesus was pretty effective in his ministry. Many of the saints of old were effective in their ministries. How were they able to cause the promises of God to come into effect in their lives? And yet we seem to struggle with some of those promises. Well, the difference is they mix the word of God with faith. Uh, and uh, for whatever reason, there's a large group of people in a church who will never mix the word of God with faith. They'll read a promise that says no weapon formed against me will prosper. And they look around and saying, well, all these weapons are prospering. So therefore, it's not my fault. The word of God is not working. The word of God is no longer effective. That must have been an old covenant promise that no longer applies to me. And so they're always looking at every other source of failure other than a mirror. Right. And, you know, we, we've got that free yard sale next week. There's a whole wall of mirrors in there. So, you know, we're going to make sure there's certain people. I'm going to call them. Hey, we've got some mirrors for you. Right. Because there's a few people I know that need some more mirrors in their life. Because they're not looking at their own self to see what the cause of them not having faith is. It's, it's everybody else. Yeah, I told you one person even died one time because they said, you know, they pointed to somebody and said, it's your fault because you didn't believe God for me. Well, I mean, even if that was true, is it their responsibility for you to have faith? I mean, is it on them if you don't have faith? Is it, is it their, uh, are they at fault if you don't have faith? They're not at fault. They may be at fault for not doing their part. But at the end of the day, uh, if nobody believes, but you do, can you be okay? Yes. Well, sure you can, right? What does Psalm 91 say? A thousand shall fall to my side. And how many to my right side? Ten thousand. But it's not going to come nigh me, yes. right? Amen. Uh, and see, a lot of people are like, well, if, if, it's, if it's come to two people, well, I must be next. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, if it's a thousand, yeah. you know, well, well, how many people have gotten COVID-19? Well, everybody's getting it. No, you just don't, you're going to get it, you know, because everybody's getting it. It doesn't matter if there's, there's 7 billion people in the world, if 6,999 million people get it. I don't have to get it. You know, I, I choose not to participate, right? Was well, a pandemic, you can't just not, you can't choose not to participate. No weapon formed against me shall prosper unless it's COVID-19. Is that what it says? Did, have you got a different translation than I got? I mean, it says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Well, who formed these weapons against us as the human race? Well, the devil did, right? Uh, he's formed these weapons against us. Uh, and so uh, it is a true statement that no weapon formed against you uh, shall prosper if you choose to activate it by faith. I mean, it's still a true statement, but it's, it can only be, uh, I like the way the, the uh, book of Hebrews says, uh, the only way it can profit you and be of value to you is if you choose to mix that word with faith. So any promise that you find in the word of God and somebody counted them, they said there's 7,000 promises. You know, I don't know how they came up with that, but, uh, but they said there's 7,000 promises in the word of God. Every one of those have to be mixed with faith before they are of value to you because otherwise uh, they will not profit you. They will be true, truly stated, but of no value. Uh, and so it's, it's really, that's the part where, where people have a hard time. They're thinking everything is up to God. Everything is up to God. But really, if every promise has to be mixed with faith, which is what it says, then every, every promise 
has to have both you and God involved for it to be profitable in your life. It's always you and God. There's always a God side and always a man's side. And God's side is to, is to make the promise. The man's side is to believe the promise. And then God's side is then to cause the promise to be in effect uh, and to come to pass. And if you remember what Brother Bosworth talked about in his book, he said it's like a game of checkers, right? Where everybody's got their turn. Uh, and, you know, when, when, when the black side goes in checkers, then it's the red side's turn, right? And then, then after the red side goes, now it's the black side's turn. Amen? So you can't just go, uh, uh, well, I just want to do all my plays right now. I'm going to, you know, make all my moves on the red side right now. Well, you can't do that. That's cheating, right? And, of course, you know, if, unless you're playing with your son, then it's okay to cheat because, you know, sometimes they'll still beat you, right? Uh, and so, uh, but... Uh, no, it, it takes, it, there's a process, right? There, there's two parts to this. Uh, and, uh, and if God does his move first, which he always does, he always makes a promise. I will make uh, every weapon to be of no effect in your life. That's my promise. Amen. Now, what's your step? Your step is to believe that. Okay, then no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And then what's God's step next? He, then, he, then he has the right and the privilege to go, okay, here's a weapon coming against you. No. You can't go. But see, if you don't do your part, then God can never do his uh, step three, right? Uh, if you don't do step two, which is to believe, then he's unable to. It's not that he's unwilling to. He's unable to do his part, which is to cause that verse to be effective in your life because you've chosen not to mix it with faith. You've chosen to say, well, if God doesn't want that, that weapon to prosper me, then he, then he won't. Is that what it says? No, he just said no weapon formed against you. He didn't say some every now and then, once in a while, only the big ones, but not the little ones, you know. He said no weapon. That means zero weapons, right? No, no means none, right? Zero, zilch, right? Uh, and so, but unless you mix that with faith, then you're not doing your part. And there's going to be a lot of Christians when they get to heaven go, Lord, how come this, all these things happened to me? Why did all these bad things happen to me? And he'll, he'll rewind, say, well, open up your Bible to the book of Hebrews. I mean, he, he's not going to come up with new doctrine when he gets to heaven. He's going to, you know, you had your chance on this earth to live by the word of God. You know, the just shall live by what? Faith, faith right? Faith in what? Faith in the word, not faith in just the ether of, the, of, of energy or, you know, some new age stuff like that. Faith in the word of God. What does the word say? Uh, and so then you have to choose to mix that with faith. And I don't think there's a better verse in the Bible that explains how all of that works than Hebrews chapter 4, right? Uh, and so, uh, so no weapon formed against you. Do you believe that? Well, I believe that. Uh, I'm going to read that in a few other translations. One translation says, No instrument of war which is formed against you will be of any use. Uh, one translation says, But all the weapons that are made against thee shall not prosper. Uh, one translation says, Weapons made to attack you won't be successful. And words spoken against you won't hurt at all. Uh, well, they just hurt my feelings. You know, I read something someone wrote said, all you people who say that you can just decide not to let words hurt your feelings, you're all wrong. Uh, and it's like, okay, so you, because you said that, that overrides the word of God because it says uh, every tongue, uh, uh, word spoken against you won't hurt at all. Well, do you have the capacity to live that way? I mean, is, is it possible to live where no word spoken against you hurts you? I mean, isn't that what it says? But if you don't believe that's what it says, if you don't empower that word to be so in your life, then oh, I can't believe they're talking about me. And then you get conspiracy. I know they're talking about me. I know. Well, how do you know? I just know. Well, you know, have you heard them? Well, no, but I know. You don't really know. You're making that up, right? Because you looked over there and they, they glanced your way. See, they're talking about me. Well, maybe they're just like, you see that lady's hair? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, that, I mean, maybe they are talking about you. I don't know. Uh, but do you have the capacity to live in such a way that uh, every word spoken against you won't hurt you at all? I mean, if the word of God is so, you can live that way. But in order to, to live that way, you have to mix that word with faith. Lord, okay. Uh, you know, one thing I say uh, just on a regular basis in my life is no one's ever done anything to me. Well, that would include words, right? That would include actions and words. Uh, and now I'm not, I'm not saying that those events didn't occur. I'm saying the way I'm going to live as if they had never done that. Because if they never did it, it wouldn't hurt my feelings, right? 
Uh, and so I'm going to choose to live that way. I choose to live that way. Uh, and so, and then, see, I can pray for them. Then I can let the Lord deal with how he wants to, right? Because uh, I don't want to be like Jonah. You remember with Jonah, uh, the Lord said to go speak, uh, preach to Nineveh. Uh, and, of course, he didn't want to do it because Nineveh was a wicked city. And he's like, Lord, zap them all, right? You know, rain fire down from heaven. You know, get rid of them, burn them all. And, uh, and the Lord said, no, you need to go preach to them. And Jonah's like, no, if I go preach to them, you'll have, you'll, you'll have mercy on them. And, of course, he was motivated to preach to him after he got swallowed by the great fish, right? His motivation increased, right? Uh, and so then he went and did what the Lord said to do. And then what did the Lord do? He had mercy on him. And, and Jonah was full of joy and happiness after that, right? He was so mad. He was so, see, I told you you would have mercy on him, Lord. I told you. I knew you would do it. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times we want the Lord to zap them all, right? Get them all, Lord. Um, and... Um, uh, you know, see, if you can get to a point where and the reason why we do that is because we get our feelings hurt. Uh, and so we want the judgment to fall upon them. We want them to get what's coming to them. Well, they got what's coming to them. Well, what, what would come to you if not for the mercy and grace of God? You know, the, doesn't the Bible say that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Right. That means all of us uh, are subject to death. Right. All of us deserve death. All of us deserve to spend eternity in hell. Because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. So your, your hell is not any cleaner than my hell. I mean, you know, your sin is not any cleaner than my sin. You know, sometimes we think, oh, my sin's not nearly as bad as yours. Just compare that to the glory of God. Compare anything you've done wrong to the glory of God. And we'll, we'll all be in the same boat. But see, sometimes we think, well, mine's not nearly as bad as yours. Uh, as if, you know, somehow your unrighteousness is more righteous than my unrighteousness. Uh, and, but we in the church will stand in the pulpit and say, well, that sin will send you to hell. But that sin won't, because I'm doing that one over there. But this one over here, I don't do. So <laughs> that one for sure will send you to hell. Guarantee this one won't, because, you know, I'm doing that one, and I'm, I'm, I'm planning on uh, But then we kind of, and I'm, I'm, you know, I want to raise my hand. Well, why did you pick that sin? You know, well, because, you know, because we love to pick on, like, homosexuality, because, well, I'm a manly man, man, you know, and I am, you know, I, I spit dirt, you know, and chew tobacco and whatever. And, 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 you know, so I would never do that. So therefore, that one's going to send you to hell. Right. But, you know, this one over here, you know, getting mad at your wife every day. That one's OK, because if you met my wife, I mean, you know, you, it's easy to get mad at her. And so that one's OK. Right. Treating your wife bad is OK. But being a homosexual will send you to hell. You know, even though my Bible says that, that if you don't honor her. As a fellow, fellow heir of the grace of life, your prayers will be hindered. Um, and so I didn't write that. You know, Peter wrote that. Uh, and so is it true that you can live in a way that words spoken against you won't hurt at all? Well, if that's what the Bible says, that's what the Bible says, right? Uh, uh, but if you're one who's really touchy, hey, how's it going? Well, you didn't say hello to me. You, know, you just said, how's it going, you know? I mean, just you ever known so people so touchy? I mean, if you just say the wrong, I mean, you don't say things exactly right. They're, they get all upset because uh, they believe that every word spoken against them will hurt them. Uh, and, and so, but it doesn't matter how many Facebook preachers say that people who, do, who say you, can't, you, you can just decide not to let your feelings be hurt. You're all wrong. I didn't write the Bible. Uh, unless you want to uh, submit that to heaven and, and ask him why he misquoted uh, a promise to us, then I'm going to believe the Bible a hundred times over anything you've got to say. And I will live uh, with the truth that, that every word spoken against me won't hurt at all. Uh, and, and, you know, they used to think that Brother Hagin had a character flaw because he, they'd ask him, well, what if they, what if they accused you of some horrible thing? What if they accused you uh, uh, of some terrible thing? And he said, Look, he said, if they accuse me of slapping my grandma, which would be terrible, right? I mean, did you hear about him? He slapped his grandma. I mean, who would do that, right? They slapped their grandma. I mean, that'd be a terrible thing, right? That'd be right up there with homosexuality, right? Slap your grandma and go to hell, you know, commit homosexuality. I mean, it's a terrible thing. He said, I wouldn't respond. Well, well, well you know, well, then, the, uh, then they're going to believe that. So, you know, I've had people call me up. Hey, did you do so-and-so? Well, no course i didn't do so and so why are you at you you know me better than that you know well so and so believes you that you need to call them and tell them that you didn't do that there ain't no way i'm going to call somebody because they could have called me but instead what are they doing they're gossiping about me hey did you hear that he did that right 
They could have called me just if I did that. Uh, and if they, it, and, or even better, they could have just asked the Spirit of God, hey, did he do that? You know, but instead, they don't ask the Spirit of God. And uh, they just want to sow discord among the brethren and, and, uh, and gossip about you. I've having, even had people tell me, well, the Holy Spirit told me this about you. Like, really? I didn't know he was a gossip. Because nobody else knew about that other than the Holy Spirit of me. And now, so now, now he told you something, a secret about me. Well, that's called gossip, right? I mean, why is he telling you secrets about me anyway, right? Uh, I mean, I've tried that with my wife many times. He's like, yeah, I ain't talking to you about my, your wife. You know, let me talk to you about you. Uh, and so, uh, so people will say a lot of things, but my Bible says that words spoken against me won't hurt at all. Is that what it says? Uh, that's the CEV translation, in case you're wondering. Uh, and yet people will say, you know, you can't just decide. You can decide to believe the word of God anytime you want to. Amen. Uh, and if you choose not, if you choose not to mix that word with faith, then you will be easily uh, swayed by every word spoken against you. Uh, and so uh, then the last translation I wanted to read about that uh, says, perish every weapon formed against thee. I will not prosper it. Though every voice should rise up against thee for judgment, thou shalt overcome them all, and in the trial they shall be condemned. Uh, perish every weapon formed against thee. Uh, and so he's really bringing out more of this is what the Lord is stating, right? Uh, you know, the no weapon formed against, me, against you uh, is it's the Lord speaking that, but it's not quite as clear in the King James translation. In this translation is more clear that this is a word that the Lord is speaking specifically through the prophet, through the word of the prophet. But perish every weapon formed against thee. I will not prosper it, uh, though every voice should rise up against thee for judgment. You ever felt like everybody's against you? But, you know, if every human being is against you, but the Lord's on your side. How are you doing? Doing pretty good, right? Uh, if the Lord's on your side, doing pretty good. Amen. Uh, do you believe that? Can you believe that? Can you choose to live that way? If you want to, right? Uh, and so, uh, if, uh, if sickness is from the devil, and we know from our studying that every sickness is not from a demonic presence, a specific demonic presence, but the origin of all sickness is from the devil. Amen? So, uh, and we understand that. But if it's from the devil, then it's a weapon that is formed against you because isn't a germ a weapon formed against you? Isn't its goal to kill you? Every germ and every virus, e even if it's uh, not going to succeed by natural means, its still goal its goal is to defeat you, to destroy you. Uh, and if it is, then it's a weapon. And if it's a weapon, then it cannot prosper, right? It cannot um, uh, be successful, right? And it will it will perish. Uh, and so I, I like those particular translations of that of that word. So. Uh, so our job then is to mix the word of God with faith. Stay in the word of God. Abide in the word of God, right? Uh, and so uh, let's turn over to uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 1. It says in verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. So all of the word of God is God speaking to us, right? Uh, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. So uh, you know, every even though Paul was the author of many books of the of the New Testament, you know, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were all authors of books of the New Testament. Um, they they were not the ultimate author, though. Who spoke those words to them to write them down? Well, specifically, we follow the the food chain. It's you know, Paul was the author, moved upon by the Spirit of God, who was directed by the head of the church, the the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, who was appointed as the head of the church by the Father. So it starts with the Father God, works its way through, the, uh, through God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, to the hands of men, to us. Uh, and so God has spoken all of these things uh, to us. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but just because you read the word of God, uh, remember what, what did the devil attack first? 
He attacked God's word first, right? So he didn't attack Adam and Eve's body first. He didn't attack them with sickness and disease. He attacked God's word first. So um, she, she, uh, Dr. Yeomans, uh, I like the way she put it. She said, we must treat any suggestion that would cast any doubt on the authenticity of God's word as from the author of lies. Uh, and, and you really have to uh, uh, be diligent about that. You really have to be diligent about when people say, well, that's not for us today. See, that's attacking the authenticity of that promise. Well, when the last apostle died, God stopped doing that. See, that, uh, well, that's not for us today. Or that's, uh, I know we were studying uh, Mark 11, 23 and 24, about saying to the mountain, right, whoever shall speak on this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, uh, uh, and shall not doubt in his heart that he has those things which you say, uh, that uh, he shall have those things which he saith, right? Uh, and so, uh, someone said, well, that's only spiritual mountains. What well, does it say? Who shall, whosoever shall say unto the spiritual mountain? No, it just says, who shall ever say to the mountain, right? But see, by saying that it's only spiritual mountains, then that removes any of the activity of that promise in the natural realm where we reside. Uh, and so it works good for, I mean, what's a spiritual mountain? I mean, maybe pride, right? I mean, I don't know. Uh, Maybe envy and some spiritual sins like that, but not sickness and disease and not not prosperity or anything like that. So it immediately it doesn't say, well, that's not for us today, but it's challenging the value of that verse in your life. Right. Because if you're fine spiritually, you know, you're a humble Christian, you're you're praying the Lord and not committing sin, uh, but you're sick and poor. Sorry, that verse doesn't apply to you. Right. Uh, And so. that 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 attack is rampant throughout the church that uh, you know they may not be able to say well that verse is completely wrong they may say that that verse is not a hundred percent available to you today right uh and so uh just like uh, uh one of the one of the professors that jared was dealing with says you know that uh um, that what things ever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them right mark eleven twenty four. Uh, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And they said, well, that's only for big things. See, so, so it works for things this big, but not things this big. And, and, you know, of course, that's doubt and unbelief. And so it can stand no scrutiny at all because my question, first of all, is well, who decides? Who's deciding what's big and small? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, for, for, for us, you know, a small thing might be, well, Lord, I need lunch. You know, man, I need lunch. But you go to, you know, you go to a third world country and the biggest thing in the world is what's for lunch. Because they may not have had lunch in months, right? Uh, and so that would be a big thing for them. But that wouldn't be a big thing for us, right? Because we can go through a drive through you know, McDonald's. I don't even believe God for McDonald's. I don't know who would ever believe God for McDonald's. But, you know, uh, you know it's a, that's another discussion. But, uh, but that's only for big things. So what are they doing? They're attacking the authenticity of God's word. That God's word is not active in every area of your life that only you know uh only when i decide that it's valid you know because if you if you if, and the, their comment was if you believe god for big things well then you're selfish and it's like well that doesn't even make any sense i mean you know uh who's making up these rules but see that's what happens when we become stupid in our education right we say dumb things like that no, uh, what do we need to do? Well, she said, uh, here's how to, to deal with that. Uh, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. And it says uh, in verse 8, uh, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a rock, roaring lion, uh, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith? knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Uh, so there is vigilance, steadfastness that's required in our part against the enemy, right? Against, because we have to resist. When he said in verse 9, whom resist, who is the whom that he's talking about? Who are we resisting? We're resisting the devil, and we're, we, we are resisting uh, his attack upon the word of God. Uh, and, you know, that for me, uh, because I hold the word of God in such high esteem. Uh, nobody can attack the word of God in my life. You know, I mean, you say, well, that, that's not for us today. 
you know, that's just, that don't make no sense, right? Uh, when I got born again, I didn't know any Bible, but I knew God was good. And then, then I started learning some Bible, you know, that God heals and God prospers. And, and all of those things, they would read from the Word of God, that God heals and God prospers. And as soon as they'd read that, and I'd read it for the first time, and, okay, sounds good to me. Uh, but then years later, you know, I didn't really know people who didn't believe these things because, you know, I was in a, in a small church, and that that's my, was my whole world. That's all I knew about the Lord was what this uh, little Word church was teaching. And until I got, I got exposed to other Christians that didn't believe these things, you know, I, I thought it was really odd. I just, I thought it was really odd when I met a first Christian who didn't believe in healing. How can you not believe in, I mean, well, you know, well, that's not for us today. But it says it everywhere, you know. And, and uh, you know, as a naive uh, young person, it was really odd for me when I started meeting Christians who didn't believe, which should be still an odd thing, but it's not really an odd thing, Right. Christians don't believe in the word of God uh, and will say things like, well, that's not for us today. Or, you know, you can't believe God for big things. And uh, why? Well, they they stopped being vigilant against the attack of God's word. They stopped resisting steadfast in the faith uh, against uh, the attack on God's word. Right. Uh, and uh, and of course, James says something similar where in first Peter just turned back um, previous book there. Uh, <clears throat> And so anytime the attack of the word of God comes, it's our job to resist that attack. Uh, He says here in James chapter four, verse seven. Submit yourself, therefore, to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Uh, So uh, we have to resist. We have to resist every time that the word of God is attacked in our lives. We we have to uh, remember when Jesus uh, was in the wilderness uh, being tempted of the devil Every time that the devil tempted him with something, what did Jesus respond with? It is written, it is written right? He was steadfast in his, in his resistance uh, to the devil because the devil, many times, uh, you know, didn't the devil even say, well, didn't God say that, uh, that, uh, if, uh, that uh, he will uh, bear you up with his angels unless you dash your foot against a stone? So therefore, throw yourself over this cliff. So, I mean, the devil, because that sounds just like what he did in, in the garden, hath God said. Well, didn't God say, well, how many things have we done out of presumption? Well, yeah, I've got to go prove that God's real by go running out in this freeway because you know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. But that wasn't formed against you. You ran into it, right? Uh, and so now if it was coming your way and you're just, you know, well, then that's fine. But, uh, and so, so there, there is... Uh, a, uh, a work of the body of Christ. There is a work of the Christian that we have to learn how to resist when people try to attack the word of God. Uh, and the thing is, the devil will use church people. I mean, he loves using church people to attack the word of God. Right? The, the word of God doesn't say what it says. Now, and, and my observation has been most of the time, they uh, will be very condescending towards you. Oh, you believe that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you're just... You're not special like us. You know, you must be one of those odd, weird people, you know, who just believe things, right? Uh, you know, uh, you're going to be like a cult here pretty soon because you believe the Bible. And they will be condescending and, and insulting to you to try to, and, and again, that's attack on your emotions, right? Attack on your, on your soulless man to, because don't you want to feel included? Don't you want to be on the in crowd, the cool, hip crowd, right? Because, you know, I'm so cool and hip. Uh, and so I'd rather be in the, in the, healthy, prosperous crowd than the yeah. cool, hip crowd, yeah. right? Wouldn't you? I mean, I'd rather yeah. be healthy than, than sick and popular, um, yeah. you know? I mean, uh, I, mean it, you, I mean, you can't have both, I suppose, be popular and be well, but, um, you know, that's not usually the, the case there. Uh, but our job is to resist, amen? Uh, we have to resist. Uh, Eve did not resist, right? But Jesus did resist. And Jesus was successful, wasn't he, right? Uh, it is written. Uh, and when people try to diminish the word of God. Uh, yeah, I'm always, I'm always suspicious anytime somebody tries to remove the supernatural aspect of God. Well, the gifts of healings, that's doctors. What are they doing? They're removing the supernatural out from God, right? Uh, and they'll, they will take every spiritual gift and they'll say, no, that's a natural thing, like speaking in tongues. Well, that's just people's ability to learn multiple languages, right? They can just learn French and, and Hebrew very quickly, whereas this person over here, they can't. So therefore, this person over here has to get the speaking with other tongues. But that just, I mean, that's the worst, right? Uh, and so, uh, 
So you have to resist that. You have to resist when people attack the word of God. Anytime somebody says something and the word of God would be diminished in your life because you believed it, then that's an attack against the word of God. We should always elevate the word of God that is bigger and more capable than we even know, right? Didn't he say in, in Ephesians 3.20 that he, that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above what? All that you can ask or think. So however big you think the word of God is, it's bigger than that, right? But a lot of people, they'll, they'll take the word of God. Well, it's smaller than that. It's smaller than what you just read. It can't do what you just read that it can do. Uh, you know, that, that uh, uh, a thousand should fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand. Uh, but, you know, that, that's not, that, that doesn't include plagues, even though no, uh, it literally talks about plagues there in Psalm 91, right? Uh, well, it's not talking about, you know, pandemics. I mean, my plagues are okay, but plagues are limited, right? They're limited in scope, but pandemics are worldwide. Right? It might be okay for an epidemic, which is regional, but a pandemic is worldwide. And so you, it doesn't work for pandemics, but academic, epidemics, maybe, right? And maybe plagues, right? Small localized plagues. Um, but what are they doing? They're diminishing the word of God, right? They're always, after you believe what they just said, the word of God is smaller in your life. No, the word of God should be bigger in your life after somebody teaches you what it says, because then you can mix it with faith and get something that you didn't have before. Uh, so there, there is effort. Uh, that um, uh, that's required on our part, uh, and so uh, uh, her her uh, uh, review of Eve's life said Eve didn't resist, and uh, and uh, Satan's word instilled doubt in her life. Hath God said? Well, you know, I thought He said that, but maybe He didn't say it, right? Uh, so it started with doubt, and then went to unbelief, and then went to disobedience, went to sin. And then when sin occurred, then sickness, sorrow, and death followed after that. So all of those things came about because somebody said, did God really say that? And then we look at where the, the ramifications of that phrase, hath God said, and here we are dealing with, with all uh, unimaginable sickness and diseases because one uh, entity said, hath God said. Uh, and so uh, we think, well, that's not a big deal. It's just one verse. Where are we today because of one verse, right? Because of what one thing that God said. Uh, and so, how much time we got? Oh, we're out of time there. Um, uh, and so we'll, we can pick this up uh, next week. But, um, uh, but she started talking about how uh, that uh, once sin comes, then death follows after that, right? For the wages of sin is death. So the, the goal of the enemy uh, wasn't so much about the word of God because he loves when the word of God is of no effect in people's lives. But his goal is to ultimately, ultimately kill us, right? To end the human race because we were made in God's image and likeness. The, the devil, as Lucifer, was not made in God's image and likeness. So we, have, uh, we, we are stand at a higher place than, uh, than the greatest angel that was created or one of the greatest angels that was created, right? Because he, he was called the anointed cherub. And I don't know of any other created being uh, that was called the anointed anything until mankind showed up on the earth. Uh, and so he held, he was in a pretty high state in creation, but we are higher still than him because we're made in God's image and God's likeness. And so who do you think was the first one to, to develop jealousy and envy? Well, the devil was, right? Uh, and of course, this was after he was thrown out of heaven, but after he was thrown out of heaven, then God creates this being that's, that's greater than he was. How much jealousy and anger is there in him? He's mad every day, right? He's spitting cotton every day. He's so mad. Uh, and so his desire is to kill us, every one of us, amen, and end this creation uh, that he thinks is an abomination because it's not him. Uh, you, know, you ever know people like that? If they can't have it, nobody can have it. Uh, that's kind of the way the devil is, right? Uh, and so we'll continue that next week. So all of this originated from the devil, right? And it started with those three words, hath God said. Uh, and uh, in all of uh, the woes of humanity came about because of those three words. Uh, and uh, and then somebody didn't didn't resist the result of those three words. So let's pray and we'll thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. Father, we will be sober. We will be vigilant. Father, we will resist when people try to diminish your word in our lives. We will believe the bigness of your word, the fullness of your word. Father, uh, if your word says that by your stripes we were healed, then, Father, 100 percent, we are healed, not 98 percent, not for some things. Every single sickness and every single disease, Father, is a weapon that's been formed against us, and it shall not prosper, Father. 
And, and not, not only that, Father, but there are no words that can cause us pain and agony. We refuse to, to accept it. We refuse to live that way. We can live, Father, above every word spoken against us. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So do we have a responsibility when it comes to the Word of God being effective in our lives? We do, right? Uh, and our responsibility is to mix that word with faith. Uh, and uh, if we say things like, well, if God wants me to have that promise, he'll give it to me. Then what you're saying is I'm not responsible for any part of this promise being effective in my life. Uh, and, uh, you know, have you ever actually read the Bible then? You know, I mean, that's, you, sometimes you wonder about people. You ever actually read the Bible? Maybe you should read the Bible. Amen. So praise God. Well, let's get ready and receive uh, this afternoon's offering. So don't forget, um, uh, Friday night we'll open up the uh, building next door for the church. And if, if you want any of those things that are in there uh, that you have need of or just desire, it's not that you only have to have need of them. If you just want them, you know, that's fine. Uh, then uh, help yourself to those things. And then we'll open up to the public on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. And Chris was talking about another church that had done this. They said they were lined up, you know, down the street waiting to get in there, you know. So uh, we may have to have armed guards here or something, you know, uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, right, to keep the, keep, keep we'll see how it turns out, right. But uh, I think it'll be fun. I think we'll have a good time doing that. So if you have time to come out for that, then uh, be here at 8 o'clock. We'll have to get here a little bit earlier, I think, to unlock everything. So uh, I know some of you get our early birds, right. So don't call me at 5 o'clock. Hey, where you at? I'm not going to be here at 5 o'clock, right. So come ahead, Mr. Jared. What's that? <laughs> yeah so uh, but there will probably be here people that are early uh, and so uh, that, and that's fine all right praise God and um, and of course next Sunday then brother Randy be with us uh, and um, and we'll have our church meal as well so he'll do Sunday morning and uh, healing school services for us and then um, uh, uh, and then we'll eat in between there too right all right, praise God. We'll be blessed, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday.